yes, yes, guys. What's going on? Counterattack podcast with myself, Daps. Um, yeah, so I've been saying for a while, guys, um, that I'm going to get back to just talking general football rather than always having a guest on, innit? And um, I'm going to start with second week back in um, into the season and I'm recording this straight after the Chelsea match. So we're just going to get into it, basically. But guys, remember to keep liking, subscribing, sharing and also use the hashtag. So... You know, the feedback from the last podcast, which was Sambi Lakonga, was, was really good. But it'll be nice if people use the hashtag, follow me on my socials. Like, let's keep the conversation going. Let's just keep sharing. Let's just keep raising awareness of the podcast and continue to grow. And also, guys, get at me with, with some of the players you want to see on the podcast. Not just Arsenal. It could be whoever. So anyone you want to see on the podcast, let's make it happen. Someone put in the comments after I did the Tavares one, that they wanted Sambi Lakonga. I've got Sambi Lakonga. So, yeah, guys, keep liking, subscribing, sharing, and we're going to get into it. So, only because I've just watched the game and it's just finished, am I going to start with Chelsea and Tottenham? Good game, finished 2-2. I think Tottenham were very lucky. We're very, very lucky to come away from that without losing. Um... But we can get into all of that. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm here for the Tuchel and Conte beef. Like, no one wants to see people getting sent off and whatever, but I love a good scrap. I love a good fist them up on the, on the side. And Conte and Tuchel were ready to, to go at it. I don't actually know what started it off, but those moments are what ignite matches sometimes. Not that the match was a boring match, because it really wasn't, but that really lit the... What's that thing they say? The torchlight or tor- touch, I don't know, whatever it is that they call it. That really lit the fire in the match. Similar to last year when Arteta and Jurgen Klopp had that whole incident on the sideline. Obviously, as an Arsenal fan, it had an adverse effect because Liverpool went on to pump us. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm just here. I'm just totally, totally here for this, guys. And, you know, the match, the match itself, I think Chelsea surprised me. I think... A lot of people have, and myself including, have kind of put Chelsea down because of their lack of signings and whatnot. But we actually forget that they do actually have quality players. So one that sticks out is Koulibaly. Koulibaly for me, I said on a previous podcast that I was hoping he would come and do nonsense. And I saw that he ain't coming to do any nonsense. He's maintaining the levels. He's so techie. His goal today, yeah? The more I watch that goal, the more I just see that tech is just stupid. Stupid tech. I don't know what foot he kicks with. I thought I thought he was left-footed, but I'm seeing right foot. I don't know, but either way, techie. And, you know, then we have to go on to, you know, Raheem Sterling, who is just Raheem Sterling. Like, you know what you're getting with him. And Cucurella. I'm not going to lie to you. I like Cucurella. I think my only thing was that he was never worth that money, but you can't always look at money with these things, innit? But Cucurella was a solid, he, he had a solid game today. And he didn't look out of place, you know. I think the Chelsea fans are going to go and, and, and to like him. I, I actually think he's an upgrade on Chilwell. I know people might think that I'm going mad when I say that. He is an upgrade on Chilwell because I've never really rated Chilwell like that. But they've got a, a really, really good team. I do still feel like they need a centre midfielder. And obviously the striker. And it was interesting today hearing um, 
Jamie Carragher saying that with the way that they play, they need a striker. And they're so, you know, he, he was saying that even though they've got Raheem Sterling, you know, the way that they play, they won't have to play like that if they had like a Lukaku in their team. And I, and I thought to myself, but last year you lot were crucifying Lukaku. And now you're saying that, that they need Lukaku. And on that Lukaku thing as well, I've got a thought. Obviously, he scored yesterday, like a minute into his return to Inter Milan. And I thought to myself, Chelsea have a history of ruining strikers. They actually have a history of doing that. Like, you can just go run through the names and look at the strikers that have gone there who have not been good. Off the top of my head, Fernando Torres, Maratta, Lukaku, second spell, Kesman, Crespo weren't that great, Shevchenko. Uh, who else, who else, who else am I missing? I oh, know I'm missing some, but Anelka, no, actually Anelka did all right there actually, but they have a history of ruining strikers. So Lukaku is just another striker in a long list who hasn't played well, but yet we crucify Lukaku. So th- that was just a random thought that, you know, I think we shouldn't, it shouldn't be like, we shouldn't just rule out Lukaku as a top striker. That, that was just a random, but back to today's game. First half, Tottenham were, not, were, were nothing. They offered nothing. And I was thinking, this is the Tottenham that I know. This is, you know, when everyone's talking about, you know, they're going to challenge potentially and they're a sure thing for, for top four. Tottenham have that first half. They have that performance in their locker all day long. And I don't know what it is, but it's just the way that they set up and just something about them where, you know, that will happen. And Chelsea, to be honest, if Chelsea were more ruthless... They would have, they should have, you know, they they should have put them to bed. And second half, obviously, Tottenham were always going to come out better. And and Chelsea, I don't know, I, I just felt like they allowed Tottenham to come into the game a bit. Do you know what I mean? I feel, I feel like they rested on their laurels a bit. Jorginho, who was the best player on the pitch in that first half, in that one moment of madness where instead of him just hooking it out, he now wants to go and chip it up or whatever, which leads to the goal, has now given them the chance to, you know, to score and then build momentum. And also, it was a foul on Kai Havertz, 100%. Like, it's not even, you can see it in real time. Replays show it even more. It was a foul. But Jorginho, that was a moment of madness. And it's interesting as well, seeing the reaction on social media because... Jorginho, what he did in the first half, he can do that all day long. But that mistake, people quickly were like, oh, he's so rubbish, he's so rubbish. And it's just, it's just funny to see how social media and people's reactions and, sorry, people's reactions and opinions changed just like that. So anyway, like as, as the match went on, obviously Tottenham scored in the last, um, Tottenham scored in the last minute. And, it wasn't deserved. It's a smash and grab. But hear this. At the end of the match, when all that fighting was going on, after all of that has been done, Basuma went and started celebrating in front of the crowd for that draw. Listen, do what you want to do. All I know is that if certain, if other teams had celebrated a last-minute winner, I mean, a last-minute goal, whatever, there'd be you know things being said. The media would be all over that. So let's just keep the same energy. I'm not going to say which team. I think it's obvious which team, but let's just keep the same energy. But no, it was a fantastic advert for the Premier League today. Um, hopefully there's going to be more matches like that. 
this for me is going to be one of the most exciting seasons we've had in a while, only because of the, the level of the teams at the top and at the bottom. Do you get what I'm saying? We could just even have to look as far as Nottingham Forest today. And Nottingham Forest come out from the you know, championship and they've got Lingard in their team. They've signed Nico Williams, who had a good game today. They've just signed Czech Coyote. Listen, Czech Coyote is a good Premier League player. 100%. I'm surprised that, that Crystal Palace didn't offer him the two-year deal, which is why he left. They wanted to give him one year. It's a no-brainer, Nottingham Forest offering him that two-year deal. And I think he's going to come on and help them and survive. And help them to survive. And I think that's a real good bit of business from, from Nottingham Forest. So, you know, you look at them. They've got they've signed Emmanuel Dennis today or yesterday. Um, Awani got his, got his um, first goal for them. So across the board, you're looking at real good quality. And, you know, just, just that's just to further speak on you know, the level of the league and how I think it's going to be such a good, good um, season. But yeah, no, Chelsea, I still think, out of the two, I still think Tottenham will come out that four. I think Tottenham will come out that top four. I don't really want to talk too much on Arsenal getting top four because... Let's just, every year we do this with Arsenal, oh, they're going to get top four, they're going to get top four, and every year, no. So, I don't know who goes in. I'm not going to say anything in regards to Arsenal and top four, but I, I do think Tottenham will drop out of that. And, um, yeah, that's my analysis of, of the game. Kulabali, um, who else? Reece James had a really, really good game, I thought. Um, Tottenham... It'll be interesting to see when Tottenham start actually playing their new signings. So I think Basuma will come in sooner or later because Heiberg and Bentacle, and I like Bentacle a lot, but something just, they need to up it. And I think Heiberg should be the one to drop out. I genuinely believe that Heiberg should be the one to drop out. Um, who else? Kulovzeski, whatever his name is. He didn't have the greatest of games today. He didn't really impact the game at all today. And um, there's been a lot of talk about his quality. And I do think he's a good player. But I think sometimes we just have to settle with some of the comparisons that we're that we've been seeing on social media. So and Kane obviously is Kane. He's gonna pop up and score goals. But Chelsea will be looking at that and just be thinking that's two points, hundred percent dropped. Tottenham will be looking at it and be thinking that's a point gained. And um, yeah, that's that's it for me in, in regards to Chelsea and and Tottenham. But <sighs> let's get onto the the good stuff. And obviously I am an Arsenal fan, but this isn't an Arsenal podcast, but we will talk about Arsenal very, very quickly. Let me just get my notes up because obviously I've got notes in that. All right. So Arsenal Leicester, yesterday I was watching the game and one thing I really like, to be honest, I was just about to say one, one thing I really like is that we play with intensity from the get-go, but I actually, I actually felt like yesterday... It was the first 10, maybe 15 minutes. I actually thought we weren't at it. You know, it was old school Arsenal where we kind of just invite the pressure onto us and we're a bit lazy with our passes. Xhaka had that moment where he got, the ball got nicked off in Bafofana and then they were in and almost scored. Um, so it was a bit, mm. but then, you know, in the build up to that first um, Jesus goal, you could see that we're slowly starting to get into it. And what I will say about Gabby Jesus here, 
Number one, that goal was stupid. To be able to have the instincts to do that. I'm not sure we've had a striker. Aubameyang got goals for us. Don't get me wrong. I love Aubameyang. But Jesus is a different type of striker. Jesus can make a chance out of nothing. Aubameyang thrives on service. Do you get what I'm saying? Jesus, like, like we saw yesterday, he, he had the ball in the box, tight space. It's under his feet. He just guided it into, into the top corner. Trust me. But with him, he plays at such a level that the rest of the team come up to that level. Same with Zinchenko. Zinchenko, honestly, I can't believe Man City let him go. Actually, like I call him the Ukrainian Kimmich because, listen, he's comfy in that centre midfielder. Comfy at left back. And he's so techy. And he has this mentality about him where he just wants to win, wants to win. And he knows the, he knows the right things to do at key moments. His decision-making as a left-back is, is top-notch. And that really comes from being at a top club, playing under a top manager for so long. And you can see he's coming and, and brought it in. And people are saying that might be the end for Tierney, but it's a long season. It's a long season. I still think Tierney will play a lot of games. Tierney offers something different for us. And it's just nice to have two quality left-backs. For, for so long, in each position, we've had, we've had one quality and then a drop-off has been major. Whereas now we've got two quality left-backs. Do you know what I'm saying? I'll go across the, um, the centre-backs, Gabriel and Saliba. Listen, Saliba got the on-goal, but his performance throughout the game was just quality. And after the on-goal, his head didn't drop. He, you know what I like, though? After the on-goal, as soon as it went in, the fans started cheering him. And then after, when the game kicked off again, every time he touched the ball, they were applauding him. Which helps, you know, even though, you know, you like to think that he can do it all by himself. To have the support of the fans like that, it's, it's equally as good. So, um, yeah, I, I think we were just looking really, really good. And Martinelli, oh, listen, right now, the first two games we've, we've played, Saka hasn't been at it like, like, like we would like. But the good thing about that is that we're not reliant on Saka. I think recent times we've become so reliant on Saka for someone so young to be carrying the football club on their back isn't good. So in the times, and remember it's just the first two games of the season. So in that times where, in the, in the times where Saka's not firing, to have Martinelli firing, to have the striker scoring, it takes the pressure off him. And let's not forget, like even though he hasn't scored or he hasn't been playing whatever, like playing to the level that we want, he went and, I don't know if you can call it an assist, but his, his ball into the box last week got the goal, the own goal. It led to the own goal. So I think it's really, really good. I think Martinelli, he's got two and two now, but his overall play has been top, top quality. And I think one criticism that a lot of people had was that they want him to start scoring more goals. And if he continues to go how he is, if, if Arsenal can get... Definitely 10, but even better around a 15 goal mark from Martinelli and from Saka. Then it will be a top, top season for um, our attackers. Assuming that Gabriel Jesus also breaks the 20 goal a season mark. And um, I've seen enough to, to say that they possibly can do it. And um, hopefully, you know, hopefully it happens. 
what I will say as well is that yesterday was that Tielemans' um, audition to come to Arsenal. And if I'm being totally honest, Xhaka played him off the park. Xhaka yesterday in that position where he can he can get forward and and um, impact the attacking the, the attacking phases. He he showed that he's actually capable of doing it. He was doing like a box to box role yesterday, and and I think the first couple of years of Xhaka's Arsenal um, career really affect how people give him the props. Because last year, I didn't think he had a bad season last year. I actually thought he had a good season. I think so far, he started off well this year. I still think we need a centre midfielder, but peep this. I know Tielemans has been touted as the guy, and I want Tielemans in. Go through, the, go through my tweets, my old tweets. I've always said Tielemans is a top, top quality player. But I was watching, and I might be wrong with this. Bear in mind, I want Tielemans. But, Zinchenko spends a lot of time in that centre midfield and Xhaka kind of covers for him as a left-back at times and goes into that space. Obviously, that's something that Arteta has worked on and we've seen it, not just this season, but last season as well. But I'm just thinking, can we... Would you look at Tielemans and say he can also do that side to it in regards to that position of left-back left when Zinchenko comes in? I don't know. He might, he might be able to, but it's just something to watch. And it's just a question that I'm just kind of throwing out there. So, um, but yeah, two two wins, two wins on the trot. You know, only Man City have a hundred percent record, and you know, onwards and upwards. So these are the games that Arsenal need to be winning, and you know, because the hard games will come. And to be honest, Leicester and Crystal Palace—they're difficult games, especially Crystal Palace away. So Arsenal have done really, really well, but. The top, tip, the top, top teams in the league will come. And we just need to make sure that we're picking up points from these games first. And a quick word on Leicester. A quick word on Leicester. I think Leicester need to keep hold of Madison. Definitely for Fana and Tielemans, to be honest. And where they haven't brought in any outfield players and they've let go of even Schmeichel and Ward. I'm not having Ward. I'm saying that from now. I'm not having him as a number one. Before the match, um, the the channel I was watching had Paul Robinson talking about, Paul Robinson, the old Leeds goalkeeper and England goalkeeper, talking about Ward saying, the guy's 29 years old and he's only made 75 first team appearances, senior appearances in his career. Like he's not ready. He's he's someone that, this is what Paul Robinson is saying, someone who maybe just accepted that he's going to be a second choice goalkeeper for his career. And he's coming and, yeah, I'm not having him. I think they definitely need a goalkeeper. But where they haven't signed anyone, I don't think that's the area that they're going to look into to sign. So, um, Madison, they have to keep him, 100%. He's such a good player. Such a, such a good player. But, um, yeah, that's all I've got for Arsenal. You guys, let me know what you think in the comments about my analysis of the game. Let me know what you think about the Tielemans, if he can do that role that Xhaka does where he fills it in the left. Um, let me know who you thought played well, who you, who you thought who, who you thought didn't play so well, and let's just keep the conversation going. And don't forget hashtag counterattack podcast because I'm really trying to create a community here where we can talk and bring other people into the conversation. and And follow me on my socials, guys, man. So let's keep going. And in the comments, don't forget to put who you want to see on the podcast.
And yeah, the good stuff now. Got my notes. The good stuff, yeah. Manchester United. Right. Manchester United yesterday lost 4-0 to Brentford. It was a game that I thought they might lose. I didn't think it would be that bad though. I think in Ten Hag, they have a manager who is realising just how bad it is. And the last couple managers, Jose Mourinho said it. Um, did Ole say it so too tough? I felt like Ole was just always just happy to be in that job. Ralph definitely said it in regards to the team is not good enough. Ralph even said the team needs open heart surgery because there's, there's things fundamentally wrong with that team. And Ten Hag, I said it last week in a tweet, I said it's so funny seeing managers come in and you see the realisation in their faces that this is a bigger job than what they expected. And yesterday, there's a moment where the camera, I think they might have been 2-0 down or something, and the camera went on Ten Hag's face and you could just see he was just thinking, what the heck is this? From front to back, they need changes. Let me address the goalkeeper situation first, in my personal opinion. Dean Henderson made a save, a penalty save, and he played well today for Nottingham Forest against West Ham. And it led to people talking about he should be Man United's number one and whatnot. And my thing is that De Gea is not the problem. Is he playing at the level we've become accustomed to? No, but he's still a top goalkeeper. And I think Henderson, for that level, he's at Nottingham Forest, and he's a very, very good goalkeeper for that level. He's a very, very good goalkeeper anyway. But I think when you get to the top of the top, like, he's not at that level yet. And it showed, because I, I think people are just forgetting that. Last year where he had a run of games, it wasn't convincing. Hence why De Gea was brought back in. It wasn't convincing at all. So, yeah, I, I think for me, De Gea, he needs to do better. But I don't think Dean Henderson, you know, should have stayed and been Manchester United number one. But I'm not a Man United fan. Man United fans, let me know what, what you guys think because it'll be interesting to see, um, to hear your thoughts on that. And what I will also say is that Ten Hag, he came with this big reputation from Ajax. Not from me. I just thought he was a good manager. I didn't think the reputation and the way people were talking about him, I wasn't sure. I was, I was like, wow, maybe I'm missing something here. And I think when you come into a league that you don't know, especially the Premier League, I think the safest thing to do is to just go with initially with players that know the league unless there's a blatant upgrade. I say that because... Lissandro Martinez has come in, struggled last week, and now you're coming into the most physical league. And on top of that, it's Brentford, where you know they've got such a tall team that's going to be loading the balls into the box. And you have the naivety to play him. Do you get what I'm saying? When there's other options who maybe just need to just get over the line first, not go with a centre-back who is becoming accustomed to the league isn't really built for a game like that, especially when you're not accustomed to the league. And it showed, hence why he had to get dragged after, you know, 45 minutes. So I think Ten Hag was definitely naive during that. Um, on TalkSport as well, in fact, forget that, Luke Shaw, 
do you know, I'm not going to go player for player because we know, you know, they brought Malassia in. Is he ready to be left back starting? I don't know. I've not seen much from him. Um, Dallo, I don't know. Maguire's just Maguire. I'm not going to say too much on Maguire. I think the biggest problem here, it's not even Ronaldo, because Ronaldo knew what... Ronaldo wanted to leave the club. He, he, he saw the mess it was in. Ronaldo scored, what, 17 goals last season? As a striker, you want your player to score goals. He's scoring the goals. Do you get what I'm saying? You know what you're getting with Ronaldo. I'm fed up with people saying, oh, Ronaldo's a problem. They all just need a, a scapegoat. It was Pogba before. Then it was Ronaldo. Like, listen, none of that. Ronaldo isn't the issue. What you saw yesterday wasn't a Ronaldo issue. I think one of the biggest problems they have is Bruno Fernandes. I've been saying this when he was scoring. I'm going to try to find a tweet where I said this. When he was scoring all those goals. I said, the moment those goals dry up, Man United have a big problem. Because he doesn't impact games like that. Unless he scores or he assists, which he couldn't possibly keep up for every single game. He doesn't, he's not effective. All he does is complain, moan, lose the ball a lot. And they put him into that, into that team. And I think it was criminal that before they hired a new manager, they gave him a new five-year contract. Because you don't know if Ten Hag wants to give him that five-year contract. You know, is he deserving of a five-year contract? Because what if, you're, what if you're just going to get five years of that? And it's been a while now that he's been playing like this. So I think that's the biggest problem. And then I was, I was listening to Talk Sport today and, and um, someone was saying, I forgot who it was, was saying that it's criminal to play, um, to give Christian Eriksen that deeper role. And I was like, hold on. Do you not know the level of player that you have in Christian Eriksen? Granted, yesterday, that pass into him, he should have done better, but should De Gea have given it to him? I don't know, but... In terms of ball, ballers, yeah, he can 100% play that deeper role. And I don't think people know the level of player he is. He is everything that they think Fernandez is. Fernandez can't do that role. Fernandez just have to let him just play his own game because he has no discipline and he's just going to do what he wants to do. Every now and then it might come off, but more time it won't. Whereas the football intelligence of Christian Eriksen, the ability and just his... his the overall player, he's levels above that. And he can play that deeper role. But you also have to look at who is he playing it with. I think Fred McTominay, I like Fred. I actually do like Fred. He didn't have a good game yesterday. But that McTominay, honestly, he has got... Something has to be done about McTominay. McTominay is a man that gives the ball away 100 times a match. And he runs around, leaves one in on, on players, and people like to see that. I don't like that. Do you know what I mean? McTominay's not good enough. Fred, I think he can be good enough, but they still need to bring someone else in. Um, there's just problems all over the park. Sancho needs to buck up his ideas. And I'm, I don't like talking bad about Mandem and Sancho and that, but he has to buck up his ideas. Rashford offering nothing. He's actually offering nothing at all. So... At what point does it stop? You know, we can't look at all of these things and then continue to just blame Ronaldo or De Gea. No, throughout the whole team, there's issues there. And Ten Hag has a massive job on his hand. And, and Roy Keane said, leopards don't change their spots. These are the same players that have got manager after manager sacked. 
and these same players are still there. So Roy Keane might be right when he says, you know, these players might get the manager to sack because if unless they get signings in, and they need a lot of signings, I can only see the pressure mounting on Ten Hag after, as time goes by because they're not going to get someone to come for 20 years like Alex Ferguson. Them days are gone, Sir Alex Ferguson. Them days are long gone. So, yeah, he's in massive, massive trouble. And, you know, similar to when Arteta came in and I was saying that's going to be three years maybe, two to three years before we actually start to see his imprint. It's the same with United. If they're going to give him that three years and make the quality signings to go with it, then fair enough, but there's a lot of players that need to come out and then come in um, into that team. So, yeah, United are in are in deep, deep trouble. Um, Ronaldo issues, Bruno, Lissander. Okay, I've spoken about everything. And a quick word on Brentford. It's just good to see Josh De Silva back. I think with Josh De Silva, they have a player who is Premier League quality. I think they went the whole of last season without him. And even though they stayed up, their season could have been a different season had Josh De Silva been there. He looks like he's still trying to find his feet, but that's expected because he's just come back from a long injury. But this is just an honourable shout-out to Josh De Silva because he's a top, top quality player. And, you know, hopefully he gets the run of games needed, the game time needed, the fitness needed to really show what he can do because I honestly believe that he can push on further than Brentford as well and be a, a mainstay in the Premier League so it's good to see him back um, Tariq Fosu Mensah need to see him back as well that's another player I don't know if he's actually back or if he's still injured but he's another player once they get him back another top player on their books so you know long may the, the road to recovery continue and yeah this is good to see them back man Guys, remember, hashtag counterattack podcast. Let me know if you think my breakdown was rubbish or not. Um, I've spoken about Nottingham Forest. I've spoken about Chelsea. Wow, I'm flying through these topics today, bro. Uh, Everton. All right, cool. So the reason why I wanted to pick Everton was because... Uh, I think at first I looked at it and I said, oh, Frank Lampard's in trouble. He is in trouble, but I think when I, when I took a look at it, as the season goes by, I think if they can get a striker in before the end of the transfer window, I think they might be okay. I think, I think it's going to be a battle for them, but I think they might be okay. And I say that because of... When I, when I was watching the game yesterday and I saw Connor Cody, I saw Tarkovsky, I said, oh, these are, they needed to sort that defence out. But these are players who are an upgrade on the defenders that they had. Because I was never having Michael Keane, to be totally honest. And they've got Premier League quality and England internationals. So I think that's going to help them massively. On top of that, you see that Onana? Yeah. He lost the ball. For that goal, but he quickly made it up. And I've seen enough from Onana to be like, yeah, that's a good signing. And if they can just get the team playing in a way where it gets the best out of him, I think they'll be fine. But this reliance they have on 
Dominic Calvert-Lewin. It has to it has to stop because he's injured now, and you've seen that. Sorry, I've had too much water to drink. You've seen that once Dominic Calvert-Lewin's out of the team, they have no striker, they have no answers. And you can't do the false nine thing when you're in Everton. When you're Everton, you can't do false nine. It's not like you've got Richarlison there. Richarlison's gone. Do you get what I'm saying? And yeah, they need to get a striker in. And honourable shout out again, Alex Iwobi, yeah. I didn't see this move into centre midfield coming. I didn't see it. But I've seen him play twice there now and he looks comfortable. He still looks like a winger playing in centre midfield but he looks comfortable and he's playing well. And it's just maybe, you know, I feel like he's he feels a sense of responsibility. I feel like he feels the trust from Frank Lampard and it's shown in his performances because he could come out these, these first two games with his head held, with his head held high because he's shown a range of passing I didn't even know he had. And maybe because of the way he's been, you know, he's been on the wings and everything that there's certain aspects to his game that we didn't see. But he's doing the up and down thing. He's he's playing through the lines. He's spraying the ball left to right. And he's actually affecting the game throughout. So I don't know if that's going to be his position, you know, for the full season. I don't know what Frank Lampard has, has involved for him. But honestly, he's playing well in that centre midfield. And I'm surprised. I didn't know he had that in him. But also, you see sometimes with younger players where they start off on the wing and then or up front or whatever. But as as they grow older and they learn the game more, you know, they're able to play those centre midfield roles a bit more. So maybe that's what it is. But, you know, I, I think Everton would be okay. Um, whether or not Frank Lampard will make it to the end of the season, I don't know. But again, they 100% need to get a striker in. And... Uh, new striker Cody good signings Frank Lampard under pressure okay and on the flip side to that they obviously played Aston Villa and you know people were talking about Steven Gerrard might be under pressure a bit I didn't really know he was under pressure like that until I've been seeing on social media and you know the build up to the game that he's under pressure and and I just think I just think that he'll, he's another one that's also going to be okay I think it's a very slippery slope though and yesterday's win was needed. I do believe yesterday's win was needed and they've got a player. Let me see what the guy's name was. I know it's Kamara. Is it Kamara? I know it's Kamara. Aston Villa Kamara. Bubakar Kamara. Yes. 22 years old. Listen, player. They got him on the free. Again, I didn't really know anything about this player. But you see yesterday, player. He's going to be absolutely fine in this league. He's going to, and that's his first game. And, and he's, for, for someone so young to have such a presence, not be overruled by the situation, not be dominated, you know, and stand out in what is a tough game, you know, he's, gonna, he's got a bright, a bright future. And Aston Villa have made a really, really good sign in there. I do think as well that their big players need to start showing up. I say big, and I mean Coutinho. Coutinho, he looks like he's... And he used to have these moments before. The Coutinho... Obviously, there was that season where he was just unreal. 
and then Barcelona um, got him in that season. But before that, and we've seen it since he's left Liverpool, he has these times where he just kind of, not coast through games, but just, he's just there. And, you know, he, he does a little couple of nice touches here and there, but it's not enough. And with the position that Aston Villa are in, you need more from Coutinho. And, you know, Buendia is is hot on his heels trying to push for a start. And Buendia came on, you know, affected play, got his goal and was just overall really, really well when he came on. So I do think that for them to stand a chance, for Stephen G to stand a chance, your players like Coutinho have to perform. Players like Oli Watkins have to keep performing. Oli Watkins, I like him a lot. If you've not seen the podcast with Oli Watkins, I'll go back and check that out in the videos. I think Oli Watkins, his goal scoring suffers because he's such a selfless player. If he was selfish, he'd score a lot more goals, I think. But because he's such a team player, the running in behind and setting people up and chasing down lost causes, his goals, his goal scoring suffers. Not that he's, he's not, he don't score goals because he does, but there's a few times where because he's doing those dirty jobs and whatever, he's not in the position to, to be on the end of stuff. You know that like Danny Ings, Danny Ings ain't doing all that. Danny Ings is staying in that box. You know, he's going to make sure he's on the end or something. Whereas Ollie Watkins, you know, look, look at the first goal. He chased it down, not chased it down, but ball in behind channels, Chase the ball down the channels, set up Danny Ings. Second goal, look where he is to set up Brendia again. And and I just think because he, he is that player and he's such a good team player, he maybe doesn't get the, the goals that he should or the praise that he should. But, you know, it's no, there's no secret that Stephen, it's no secret, secret that Stephen Gerrard likes him. You know, he plays for England, so he must be doing something right. And the things he does right are the intangibles that you can't, you can't see. Do you know what I'm saying? You can't measure. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's it for me on, on Aston Villa. I do think they still stay up. I think they're actually, mm, as it stands, it's still early days. I think they'll finish mid-table. Maybe not top half, but bottom half of mid-table, 100%. And, okay, it's looking like I've gone through everything already. So, yeah, guys, that's my... That's my little pod. Hmm, right. What else is there to talk about, guys? Let me know. Um, ah, I saw something so disrespectful the other day. Prime Ronaldinho, I mean, Prime Neymar or Prime Bale. Right. And people were picking Bale and whatever. And I'll, I don't know what it is. I don't even like getting involved in some of these discussions because not that it's beneath me, but it's beneath me. I don't I don't know how or why people don't rate Neymar. There's this thing that goes around, this notion that Neymar isn't this top player and you know he's overrated and whatnot. And and I think it's crazy. I, I actually think it's crazy. I actually think right now, when you take Messi and Ronaldo out of it, even Ronaldo, but I don't I just don't class them two. Neymar's probably the best. Neymar's probably the best in the world. And I don't even, I don't even think it's an it's an argument. And and I just I just want to know why people don't don't rate him like that. Maybe you guys can let me know. Why don't people rate Neymar like that? And why do people put him down a couple pegs? Because there was a time when people were saying Hazard was on Neymar's level. Never. There was a time when they were saying um 
who else? Salah is not. No. Um, and and I just think that we just need to respect him more. I think in general we need to respect players more. I think there's this thing that that happens now in this. I'm sounding like a real old head, but now in this day and age where we're just so quick to call players rubbish. Ah, oh, he's rubbish. He's this. He's that. Without actually taking in what they do, and um, I would like to see that stop. I don't think it will because it fuels the content for people and. The people want to run agendas and stuff like that. But if you really look at football and watch football, you can't possibly feel some of these things. So, yeah. Um, I think that's it. Do I want to talk about Southampton quickly? All right, let me talk about Southampton. I'm going to talk about Joe Reba. I cannot believe Joe Reba isn't starting for Southampton. Um, I think it's a weird one because I understand... <sighs> Joe Reba could play for 80% of Premier League teams. Maybe 100, who knows? But definitely 80%. And I think he was one of those hidden ones, those hidden gems that Southampton managed to get onto. And I don't I don't begrudge, I don't blame Joe Reba for going to Southampton because it's a Premier League club. Why wouldn't you go there? But he's 100% definitely good enough to be in that team. So it's just a bit mind-boggling, mind-boggling why they... Don't start him. But it's only two games in, so I can't really can't really say anything. I think Southampton have this thing where like yesterday they go 2-0 down to Leeds and it could easily have been more goals, but then they get back into it. But they're just really up and down, up and down, and they don't really get the wins, you know. But it's just I just think that they need to buck up their ideas, they need to find a bit of consistency. Um, sometimes it looks like Ralph doesn't have Ralph Hassan Tula, whatever his name is Hassan Tula, I don't know doesn't have the answers or like a plan B do you get what I'm saying and sometimes it works however he sends them out to play sometimes it doesn't but when it's not working it comes across as uh, there's nothing to um, there's nothing to back it up there's no change of plan and I think that might get him in trouble you know it might, you know, it's a slippery slope in the Premier League and he might find himself going down, going down if, you know, the draws keep coming and the losses keep coming and whatnot. But yeah, no, that's 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 that for me. In regards to transfer news, I don't know what the major transfer news is. I think Chelsea need a striker. Um, I hope Aubameyang doesn't go there. But Chelsea definitely need a striker. This whole Barcelona situation as well, where they can't register players, it's it's an absolute mess. I'm tired of talking about Barcelona. I'm tired of people talking about talking about them and hearing about it. It's just a mess. And upon their signings, they couldn't even score a goal yesterday. They drew nil nil. So I don't know about that one there. But anything else? World Cup year. It's been really hot this weekend, and there's been water breaks and. A lot of the commentary and pundits have been talking about how hard it is, you know, because of the weather. And it is hard. But listen, if they think it's hard now, wait until the World Cup. And I could just see it now. If England don't perform, the excuse is going to be the heat. As if they're the only ones playing in the heat. Because they always need an excuse. And it's been hot, but I just think the World Cup is just going to be a different level. So they better just get used to it, number one. Number two, speaking about World Cup here, I also think that 
how can I put this? It's interesting seeing um, with the World Cup being in the middle of the year because everyone knows World Cup years, people turn it on. The players show up because they want to be involved. So from now until the World Cup in November, it's in everyone's best interest to really perform and help their team, which is why I think we're going to have an exciting an exciting you know, league this year because people are going to be, well, at least half the year because people are going to be on it, on it, on it. And it'll be interesting to see if there's a drop-off after the World Cup. You know, that's, that's something to keep your eye on. If after the World Cup is going to be a little drop-off because people aren't going to have to raise their levels there anymore and whatnot. But just keep an eye out on that one. Um, a question I also have for everyone. After watching Nottingham Forest, obviously Lingard's gone there. And do we, do we feel like him going to the World Cup is far-fetched at, at this point? Is there anything he can do to go to the World Cup? Because I was thinking him being a main man in the team and showing what he can do, there's an outside bet that he goes to the World Cup. But let me know what you guys think about anything that I've spoken about. I might do another pod this week. Um, yeah, if you want more, just, just let me know. Guys, get in the comments. Hashtag counterattack podcast on Twitter. Follow me at Dapo CEO everywhere. Subscribe. And let's just keep the conversation going. Also, TikTok. Uh, Counterattack podcast on TikTok, I think. So make sure you follow everywhere. Yeah, like I said, I just want the conversation to keep going because it helps when you guys are involved. I know you guys always message, oh, I like the content, but get involved. Get in the comments. Let me know who you want on the podcast. Let me know your thoughts on what's going on. Um, I'm bringing back the shorts, a little five-minute short videos that I do. So any topic you want, put it in the comments. And yeah, guys, that's it for me. I'm out. Thank you.